So good to be with you today, and I'm so thankful that you chose to worship here. If you're our guest, welcome, and also want to welcome those who have joined us online. We celebrate when somebody gives their life to Christ around here each week, and the candle's lit, so we, we celebrate. <clears throat> that donation that we took, uh, that you, you gave $55,000 to, uh, the camp that you just saw in the video, 13 young people gave their life to Christ this week at that camp. So we just celebrate. Isn't that awesome? It's fun to give to things that are fruitful, right? Well, hey, uh, one of our members here, Joe Badger, led Seth to Christ through a Celebrate Recovery study at one of our local recovery facilities here in our community. So let's celebrate with Seth. We have been in a series called Heart for the Harvest. Speaking of lighting the candle, uh, this is what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 4.19. This is what he said. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And there's no other way to interpret that as a Christ follower uh, than to say that if you're not fishing, you're not following, right? If you're not fishing, you're not following. Now, I don't think Jesus chose the analogy of fishing by accident when talking about us leading people to Christ. Um, he did it intentionally. And he was talking to fishermen and fishing is a universally understood concept. So, I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, your number one job in this life is to help reconcile others to God, to help connect them, to help introduce them to the God who loves them. Did you know that? This next verse really explains it even, I think even more clearly. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. In other words, those of us who are Christians, we've been made brand new, right? We know what God's done in our life. And then he goes on to say, the old is gone, the new is here. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what did he do? He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. You and I have a ministry of reconciliation. That word ministry in the Greek simply means assignment. So what is my assignment here on earth? If you ever wondered what that was, what is my mission in life? Well, here it is. Our mission as followers of Jesus is to help connect people to him, to get to know him, to be reconciled and to help them find out who he is. And, and then uh, Paul goes on to say that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us, focus, us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Say that word with me, ambassadors. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great term, I love the term. You know that in the U.S. has ambassadors to all these different countries. So what is our assignment? To be an ambassador 
for Jesus to everyone that we meet. As though Christ was making his appeal through us, Paul says. So how's God going to win? How's God going to win the world to Jesus? Through us. It's our assignment to be his ambassadors. Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. In fishermen's terms, there's a lot of fish they're biting, all right? Um, there are a lot of people interested in the things of God. There are a lot of people who are not, but he says there's a lot of people who are. They just need someone who will help introduce them to him. And those of you, uh, most of you know this, who've been a part of this, there's absolutely nothing more rewarding and fulfilling than helping introduce someone, a friend or family member to Christ. I mean, it's just nothing like it. Uh, so what I'd like to do today is, is share with you four effective evangelism principles that we find here in the New Testament. Uh, so you'll have those tools in your belt, all right? I wanna give you the tools, four principles on how we can make a difference when it comes to pointing people to Jesus, connecting people to him, uh, and how to be an effective ambassador for Christ. All right, you got your, got your notes, got your outline, your phone open to help fill in. All right, uh, number one, focus on connecting, not correcting, but connecting. You know, when people read the New Testament accounts of Jesus, one of the things they are often surprised uh, when, when they read that is who he liked to spend time with. I mean, you can't read very far into the Gospels without realizing that Jesus chose to spend his time with some really jacked up, messed up, and broken sinful people. And I'm thankful he did because I'm one of them, right? Uh, people who others would never hang out with, Jesus loved being around. And not only did Jesus like hanging out with them, but they actually loved hanging out with Jesus. You read that. And again, you can't read very far into the Gospels without realizing that people who were nothing like Jesus like Jesus. People who were nothing like him, they liked him. They wanted to be in his presence. Why? Because of the way that he connected with them. They knew that he valued them. He, they knew that, you know, they could feel his love for them. And, and, and it's because he focused, his focus was on connecting with them. Now their heart had not uh, turned yet, so it wasn't about correcting. I mean, one of the most foolish things a Christian can do uh, is to be around a non-believer and expect an unbeliever to behave like a believer. What is that? I mean, really, why would you expect an unbeliever to act and behave like a believer? It makes no sense. I mean, until a person's heart has experienced a spiritual rebirth, there's no desire to even want to change and there's no power inside of them to be able to change. So that's why we need to stay focused on connecting and not correcting. Are you with me? 
And it's why the Apostle Paul said, be wise in the way that you act toward those who are not believers. Never expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. That's just ludicrous. Oftentimes we'll see, you know, Christians post stuff on social media and you just wanna, you know, you wanna be a football player and just tackle them. No, don't do that. It just kind of makes you cringe. They, they're, they're focusing on policing people's behavior, you know, on social media, which is unbelievers as well. Always posting something they're against, always posting something that, in, that's, that's wrong, which is just the opposite approach that Jesus took. I mean, it's bad enough when they self-appoint themselves as a theology police for all churches, right? But then they don't stop there, which is Christians. They, they even police the unbelievers behavior. Listen closely. Your influence, your influence with unbelievers is the most important thing you have. You lose that influence with unbelievers when you try to police their behavior, the behavior of people who aren't even part of the church. So don't do that. Jesus never did that. He would often get criticized for hanging out and eating with messed up sinful people. And he's like, he, he didn't care. He, he didn't give a rip. He, he, he didn't care about self, what the self-righteous thought. He cared more about what the unbeliever was thinking, right? And what mattered to him was that the unbeliever knew that they were loved and that they were valued. In fact, he said, this is why I've come, the seeking to save the lost. This is why I'm here, you know? Let me ask you something, what's more important to you? Making the difference in the life of an unbeliever or just kind of going off on a self-righteous rant just to make a point, you know, because you're right, you know, whatever. If you want to make a difference, if you really want to make a difference in this world, stay focused on connecting and not correcting, amen? You, you, you want to be an effective ambassador for Christ? Stay focused on loving them, stay focused on valuing them, showing them that you genuinely care about them and do what the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do, find common ground with them. I love that term, common ground. I, I didn't make it up, it's found in Corinthians here. Uh, Paul said, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Check that out. I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Notice, notice there, it's not our job to convert people. Are you with me? It's not our job to save people. It's not our job to convict people. It's not even our job to convince people. It's our job to tell people about what Jesus has done in our life. That's our job. The convincing, convicting, converting, and saving is a work of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need our help. We screw it up if we go there, right? Paul said, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ. That's our job just to tell what Jesus has done in my life and let Christ do the saving. Let me ask you again, is your goal to connect with people or to correct people? Connecting is the key. 
to effective evangelism. How do you connect with people? Well, you find common ground. You look for similarities, not differences. Uh, you know, help, help me here. Not, you wanna look for similarities. An effective ambassador for Christ will find the 1% you can agree on and give it 100% of your effort, all right? And here's what exactly, a lot of Christians do just the opposite. Drives me nuts, can you tell that? <laughs> they, they find the 1% that they disagree on and give it 100% of their effort. Like, oh my goodness, that's why they're not, that's why people don't wanna be around you, the lost. That's why you're not very pleasing to the lost. It's not our job to convict. It's not our job to convince people. It's our job to tell our story. And we only do it when people are actually receptive anyway, which we'll get to that. So it kind of just takes, takes the pressure off. It's beautiful. But it's, it's our job to tell our story and the convincing, the convicting, the converting, the saving and, uh, is the work of the Holy Spirit. So number one, focus on connecting, not correcting. Amen. Number two, focus on reaching people in their environment. On reaching them in their environment. I, I notice that when I go fishing, a fish don't just automatically jump in my boat. Is that true here? When, even when I'm on land, they don't just flop up and say, catch me, catch me. No, that's, that's not what fish do. If I'm gonna catch fish, I have to go to their environment to get them, to reach them, right? Even times when it's in hard places, inconvenient places. That's what Jesus did in Matthew 9, 35, says Jesus traveled, he got into their environment through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about, about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness and he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When was Jesus moved with compassion? Check it out. When he entered into their world and he saw them, he was moved with compassion. We have to be willing to enter into their world. You know, a good fisherman will do just about anything short of sin, I guess in the, in the Christian world, huh? to catch fish. They'll drive five miles off of the road, they'll climb over uh, a brush, they'll go through rock, wade in mud, whatever it takes to catch the fish. They're just willing to go where the fish are. And they're willing to go to any lengths to catch them. Now, if your attitude's just kind of nonchalant and kind of like, hey, I really don't want to be inconvenienced, but I, I'll, I'll fish some, you know? I'll, if they'll come to me, I'll, I'll go fish, all right. I'll go fishing as long as there's a nice shade tree. I'll go fishing as long as I can sit in my nice easy chair and I can prop back of my Coke and open up a can of Pringles potato chips and turn up the, Boom box and you know, that's that kind of an age thing there. They don't have boom boxes. Right? <laughs> I don't know why you turn up anymore. Yeah? <laughs> Toss my hook out in, in the water every once in a while. 
But as far as I'm concerned, you can take it or leave it. And you know what? They'll leave it. They'll have no interest with that kind of attitude. Let me ask you something. What kind of a, what kind of a fisherman are you? Are you willing to go where the fish are? Are you willing to go where it's inconvenient at times? Have to wade through mud? Uncomfortable? So, number two, focus on reaching people in their own environment. Number three, you ready? The third principle in New Testament evangelism is focus on those most receptive. Focus on the most receptive. In, or in fishing terms, go where the fish are biting, right? I mean, you talk to any good fisherman and they're like, why would you ever waste time fishing in a spot where the fish are not biting? No, a wise fisherman will move on to where the fish are biting. And this is what the parable of the sower is all about. I wanna encourage you to read that this week, the parable of the sower. Jesus explains that there are, there are three kinds or four kinds of hearts. There's a hard heart, there's the shallow hearts, there's the distracted hearts. Those aren't receptive. But the fourth one, there's receptive hearts. And these are the ones that we want to, he's saying, focus on these. That receptivity to the gospel, it just, it just kind of varies in people's lives at different times in their life. Some people are more open to the gospel than others. Certain times, not everyone's equally receptive, equally ready to receive Christ. And, and one of the points that Jesus is making in this parable is again, that it's, it's, it's God's job to make people receptive, right? It's our job to be faithful to share the gospel when they're ready, when they're right. If you've ever or ever tempted to pressure people to come to Christ, that is just wrong. Are you with me? That's not Christ's way because they're not ready. When the fruit is ripe, you don't have to yank it. I mean, it's, you just pick it up off the ground. I mean, it's just falling off. They're ready to receive Christ. Another principle that Jesus was making is that you and I need to be good stewards of our time and energy. That we need to stay primarily focused on those who are most receptive to hear the gospel. That we are to move on if we sense that they're not open. This is a, this is a basic New Testament principle. In fact, receptiveness to the gospel, again, it varies in different times in people's life. Sometimes people are open, very open. Other times, not at all. And Jesus understood. He knew this truth very well. That's why he said, quote, go to the people who will listen. That's what he said. Go to the people who will listen. This is what he was telling his disciples uh, as he sent them out to evangelize. He said in Matthew, he said, if a home or town refuses to welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet. I mean, that statement there is significant. Jesus instructed his disciples to leave the unresponsive place and move on to other soil. Uh, why? Because there are far more people in the world who are ready to receive Christ than the number of people who are ready to share it. So we need you to where uh, people are ready and so you can share it. Now, 
If you want a good prayer to pray throughout this year, 2023, pray this, God, show me whose heart is open and receptive and help me to find these people. Help me to connect with them. Whose heart is soft? Whose heart is open and ready for for me to share how to come to faith to Christ? Reveal these people to me. It's a great prayer. Who are the most receptive? It's a good question. How do we know who the most receptive are? Well, oftentimes, I think there's two broad categories. There's those experiencing change and transition and there's those that are under pressure. God uses both change and pain to get people's attention and to make them receptive to the gospel. He doesn't necessarily cause the pain, but he can sure use it. Let's look at the first one. A lot of people are more receptive when they're in transition, in transition. That's the first one. Anytime people are experiencing major change, whether positive or negative, they'll often develop a hunger uh, for spiritual stability. And change will often cause people to feel unsettled, which in return causes them to look for islands of stability, right? People tend to be more receptive when they face changes like a new marriage or a new baby or a new home or a new job or a, a, a new school. And we need to be aware of our friends and family, coworkers, when they're going through these changes because they may be more receptive during this time. And that's why churches will generally grow faster in newer communities where new residents are continually moving in as opposed to stable older communities where people have lived for 40 years. Just a fact. So uh, the other category where people tend to be more receptive is not just with, with change but uh, transition, but when people are under tension, when people are under tension. It was C.S. Lewis who pointed out that pain is often God's megaphone to get our attention. Isn't that true? I mean, again, it's not that God, uh, he gets blamed for a lot of things and he didn't cause that pain. And a lot of times we do it ourselves, or it's just, we live in a sinful world, but he can use it and he does use it to make us more receptive, to get our attention. People tend to be more receptive when they go through hard times or they're unemployed or they're having financial problems or when they're having marriage or family difficulties or when they're going through the pain of divorce, they tend to be more receptive or they're in the death of a loved one or they're experiencing loneliness. But remember this, whatever, it's God's job to prepare the soil and it's our job to sow the seed. We just need to be aware of who's receptive. Uh, Number three, stay focused on those who are most receptive. And number four, are you ready? Number four, focus on their felt need. I know that sounds shallow, but it's biblical. And I'm gonna show you it's biblical. And I don't, and you know what? Some people, again, Jesus didn't care if people criticized him. This was his way. He always met people's need where they're at. As you read through the gospels, it becomes very evident what Jesus' approach was in winning people. His standard approach was start where people are. 
Read it. Read the Gospels. Jesus was often, he would ask an unbeliever, what do you want me to do? He would start there, you know? Every person Jesus dealt with, it was kind of like, he started with a felt need. And uh, people who would often approach him, and they'd say things like, I got a daughter who's feeling sick, would you come pray? Or I've got an issue here with, with, with blood, or I've, I've, I've got a neighbor who's demon possessed, would you come? And you know, Jesus could have looked at those people who, who came to him with felt needs, and, and he'd say, why are you more concerned with, about, about meeting, me meeting your needs than you meeting me? I'm the son of God. He could have said that. He's, he could have said, well, don't you realize the giver is more important than the gift? But he didn't do that. He never made people feel guilty that came to him because of a felt need in their life. He connected with them in a holistic way. He cared about them emotionally. He cared about them physically. And he cared about them spiritually. And he always started where they were at. They were the felt need. And I'm convinced anyone, I am, I'm convinced that anyone can be one to Christ if you can discover the key to their heart. And the key to their heart is often that felt need that their hurt or their interest. No one ever becomes a, a Christian until first they recognize a need, right? And here's the New Testament principle, don't miss it. Before you can share the good news, you have to get their attention. Before you share the good news, this was the way of Jesus. And you know, there are some needs that are just universal. There are. Universal needs of the unchurched typically are emotional and relational when you think about it. You know, the Beatles had this one right. Everybody needs love, right? Everybody needs acceptance. Everybody needs to know the meaning of life. Everybody needs purpose. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs to know that their life matters. I mean, everyone needs to know how to have their past forgiven. Everybody needs to know that they have a purpose for living, that everybody needs to know that they have the security in knowing that one day that they can have a home in heaven. These are all universal needs. And you know what? Jesus never lacked an audience because he dealt with all the major themes that I just mentioned. And it's why we often talk about these in our church. And this has been our evangelism strategy at Brandywine for the past 30 years. We've always let the needs of the unbelievers determine what programs we offer, you know? I mean, years ago, we're like, yep, people, you know, when they don't know the Lord, there's a lot of times things are, some things are out of control. Sometimes it's their marriage, sometimes it's their kids, sometimes it's their finances, and we're like, you know what, if their finances are out of control, let's offer Financial Peace University. We'll offer those classes. In fact, back in 2008, we took our whole church through Financial Peace University right before the big crash. And some of you here today are because 
someone cared enough to help you with a felt need in your life, whether it be a financial class or whatever. And now, poor money management was never really the, the real issue. The real issue was the heart, right? But once you gave your life to Christ, your heart became content. You learned to manage your money well, uh, God's way, and you learned the joy of living a debt-free life, and you're on your way. But, you know, many of our ministries and programs here at Brandywine are designed for both believers and unbelievers. And as a church, we notice, well, you know what? There's a lot of people who struggle with codependency, you know, always a people-pleasing, anger issues, sexual integrity, substance abuse. And we said, well, let's, let's just start a Celebrate Recovery program. And it's become one of the, you know, for many years, it's been one of the largest in our state. And it's a felt need that's ultimately led hundreds of people to Jesus Christ. We notice there's a lot of people today who struggle with feelings of anxiety and feelings of depression and thoughts of suicide. So we said, hey, let's just open up a mental health center right here in our own church, and we'll call it the Wellspring Center. Divorce care, grief share, one-on-one biblical counseling, new life counseling, all felt need programs designed to ultimately lead people to their greatest need of all, a relationship with Jesus Christ and they can be discipled. And it's one of the most effective ways that I know for a church to fulfill the biblical mandate to care for those who are hurting and suffering because Jesus came for that reason as well. He said, for I was hungry and you fed me. That's our homeless ministry. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. When you did this and one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. We say it often around here. Lost people matter to God. Therefore what? They ought to matter to us. Yes. A heart for the harvest. The goal for every member here at Brand New Wine is that every member would live what? That we would live on mission. Live on mission. Let's be about fishing. Let's be about keeping this candle lit. You know, again, we can't save anybody, but we can notice who's receptive, whose heart's open, and share what Jesus did for us and help lead them that way. And keep celebrating changed lives through 2023. Who's with me? Amen. Amen. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Paul had us write down what? Four names. Four names of people that we love uh, who don't know Jesus yet. And he encourages us to start praying for them every day. And so I hope that you've continued that habit habit at least for three weeks now, right? And that you'll continue on through the whole year, praying for them every day and start connecting with them, not correcting, but connecting with them on a regular basis. And over time, as we do that, then it's gonna be natural it's, it's going to feel natural for you to enjoy it, to invite them to church. If you're actually praying for them every day 
and connecting with them on a regular basis. Now, if you're not praying for them every day and you're not connecting with them on a regular basis, it's gonna feel really awkward to invite them. In fact, when we were doing this, uh, sitting around thinking about this series, um, I said, well, let's, let's, just, let's just do a friend day right away. And Pastor Matt in his wisdom said, well, maybe we ought to encourage him to really connect with them for this year. Because it's really gonna be weird to say, oh, I haven't spent much time together, I know, with you, but I want to invite you to church with me. <laughs> That's just awkward, right? But if you're praying for them every day and connecting with them in a special way on a regular basis, then the time's gonna come. You know, at Easter or wherever. We're always, this is what we're about. You can invite them any Sunday that they are receptive to come. So you just be aware of that time. So let's make a commitment together to do that, to, to continue to pray for those four that we wrote down and pray and connect with them on a regular basis. Let's bow our head. Would you pray with me? And let me just encourage you while your head's bowed right now. In your mind, I want everybody to think about those four people that Pastor Paul challenged us to write down their names the names of those four people you love who don't know Jesus yet. Are you with me? I'm gonna ask you to ask God to help you recognize and be very sensitive to when they are open to spiritual things in their life. They may be going through transition, they may be going through change, some hard things, that God would reveal to you when their heart is soft and receptive. And that you would, that God would give you the courage to share about what Christ has done for you when that time comes. Seize the, the opportunity, the moment. Are you with me? That you would help reconcile others, that you would help connect them to God, the God who loves them. And I believe that there are, there are gonna be some of you, that because you're praying for them every day because you're connecting with them and you're inviting them. There's gonna be people who are going to be in heaven because of you, because of you. So let's, let me pray for you and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father God, you called us to be ambassadors for Christ. And Lord, we, we get it. If we don't do that, then we're not following you. And I pray that this message today will motivate each of us to get serious about those people in our lives that we love that still don't know you, our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our coworkers. And now you pray. Say, God, God, would you use me to bring somebody to you in 2023? Just pray that. Say, God, I want you to use me this year to bring somebody to you, to be reconciled, to connect with you. Help me to remember that your Holy Spirit is with me. Help me to remember, God, that everybody has the same longings and the same questions and that you are the answer to those and that everybody needs Jesus. And just invite him, say, God, give me the love that I need.
to care enough to share your good news when somebody's receptive to hear. To share my story with them, to share how you changed my life and to invite them to come, to come and see. And I just pray for anybody here this morning, you've heard this message and you're not connected to God, but you would love to. And you'd like to be in a right relationship with him. If you'd like to do that, then just say this simple prayer. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. I believe who you say you are, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that you came, you died for my sins on the cross, and you rose from the dead, and now you want to live in me, and you want to give me new life. So I invite you, and I turn from my old way, and I, I'm going to follow you. As much as I understand, I'm going to follow you from this day forward. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I say yes to you today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate his goodness today? If you said yes to God today, there's a yes table over here. And we have a, a gift for you to help you to grow. And we just want to help you on your way. We'd love to celebrate with you. Online, you can check that box and we'll get you a new believer's Bible. We love sending those out. Uh, we, we give them out like sliced bread. It's just fun to give a new believer Bible. And uh, Pastor Paul is going to come and, and lead us in communion. Thanks, Paul.